Welcome to Talking Bulls, episode 15. Welcome to the latest edition of Talking Bulls, episode 15. On today's episode, we're going to talk about Jim Boylan. Uh, finally going to be fired once play resumes. And we're also going to talk about the NBA possibly returning after this pandemic. NBA has a new format that they're proposing. We're going to talk all about that right after this. Hey, Bulls Nation. Talking Bulls is the new wave, the podcast that speaks the truth to loyal Bulls fans. We'd be honored to hear your thoughts on the Bulls. Shoot us your comments to this podcast on Twitter at TalkingBulls82. Follow us at Spotify and Talking Bulls Facebook group. How would you like to be the new co-host of Talking Bulls with Kenyatta Wright? That's right, we're looking for a new co-host. If you'd be interested, email me your experience, your name, and why do you think you'd be a good fit for the job. Email us at talkingbows82 at gmail.com. Welcome back to Talking Bulls, Bulls fans. So let's jump right into it. Jim Boylan has been the, the talk of Bulls basketball for a week or two now. We have uh, Forbes.com and another, a, a number of other publications reporting that Jim Boylan will be fired once um, NBA play resumes. And I, for one, am not surprised. I've seen this coming, uh, especially since the Bulls fired Jeff Tanaka, who has, was the Bulls trainer since 2008. Uh, the Bulls fired Tanaka, uh, basically told him that his contract uh, will not be renewed. So he was he was fired, you know, by the organization, by basically Arturus Karnasovic, who made his second firing since joining the team. He, you guys remember about, about what, a month or two ago, or probably a month ago, he fired general manager Gar Foreman. And I don't like to see anybody get fired, but change was, was, was inevitable. You know, once the front office decided to go away from guard packs, a lot of these guys guard packs brought in, and if you're going to bring in a whole new staff, you know, a new general manager, a new president of basketball operations, you would like that president of operations to put his own stamp on his team and bring in his own people, especially since the people that were here failed. Tanaka actually came over from the 49ers and became a a full-time trainer with the Bulls after being an assistant trainer in 2008, became a full-time trainer in 2014, and um, the Bulls let him go. And Jim Boylan, basically, uh, the reason why I don't understand why he hasn't been fired yet is because the Bulls didn't wait to release Gar Foreman, and they certainly didn't, you know, wait to fire Jeff Tanaka. So what's basically, you know, the holdup? to fire Jim Boylan. I mean, Jim Boylan has felt this team in every which way. And a lot would argue that, you know, maybe it's not Jim's fault. Maybe, you know, John Paxson and Gar Foreman was the, the reason behind the bad coaching and the bad direction that 
led these players to a 22 and 43 record before the pandemic ended the NBA season for a brief moment. I, for one, I think it's time for Jim Bullen to move on. I mean, he has a uh, winning percentage, 31% winning percentage, which is the second lowest among coaches that ever coached the Bulls, second to Tim Floyd. Trailing only Tim Floyd as the, as the worst possible coach in, in, in Chicago Bulls history. So this basically was a second coming of that abysmal year that we had with Tim Floyd, which the Bulls was the worst team in, in, in the NBA. Right after the winning, uh, the Bulls won their, their sixth NBA title. So why not move away from Jim Boylan? Why is there even a debate? I tell you, fans, why there's a debate. There's a debate because apparently, according to Forbes, John Paxson and the Ronsdorfs are basically speaking up for Jim Boylan and wanting him to, to be maintained. And this is the, the, the very thing that I don't like about this organization because they refuse to let people that they do that they hire do their jobs. And it's basically, why did you even bring Arturis in if you're going to tell him who to hire and fire? And I just, I just don't like that idea of, you know, those guys vouching for him and saying he should stay. And, and listen, man, if, if Jim Boylan stays here, coach, a lot has to change. First of all, he has to get a real playbook. He has to give these players roles. You know, because when I watched this NBA season, I didn't see any of these players have any roles. They were just out there playing street ball. Kobe White needs to play as a point guard. He needs to set up other guys. If you're not, you're going to need him as a shooting guard. And somebody else will come in as a point guard. Swing Zach Levine as small forward. I would love to see him as small forward. Put Laurie Markin in that power forward. Or you can even put Wendell at power forward and put Laurie at center so he wouldn't have to take a pounder down there. But changes have to come, man. Changes have definitely have to come. We had a lot of injuries, you know, in the last 10 years, and getting rid of Jeff Tanaka was key. But now I think, you know, we have to bring in a coach that meets Arturis' philosophy. And, you know, I don't think Jim Boylan's going to fit that philosophy. You know, we're talking about a guy that, that put together a very successful team in Denver. And we're talking about a coach in Jim Boylan, that really didn't show too much, you know, his two years as head coach. You know, the first year that he was here, I gave him a, a bit of a break, you know, taking over for Fred Hoiberg in the middle of the season. But then he didn't show much improvement, man. And then he hasn't developed, you know, the kind of uh, relationship he needs with the players to build that trust. These players don't dislike this guy. And you don't want to come in, you know, with a fresh thing going and have, like, you know, old wounds still lying there. And I don't think Jim Boylan is the type of coach that needs to be here for these players to play for. These players need something new and different. They need something fresh. They need something where, you know, they're going to be feeling like they're playing for a coach in a front office that's supporting them and that will do everything to see them win. And... I just don't think Jim Boylan's going to achieve that, you know. And then some of the things that Jim Boylan did going to the newspaper and, you know, the whole thing you're saying, um, you know, maybe, you know, God Pax was behind him uh, the way he coached. But, you know, when you go to the Tribune and you go to the papers and you basically rip your players and, 
you say to your uh, your players shouldn't be getting in the game because they need to change a lot. You know, like you said about uh, Jabin Denzel Valentine, that he needs to work on a lot and not going to your players and having that relationship with them and talking to them about that. The fact that they don't trust you, the fact that they won't have that camaraderie with you when they celebrate a game, they're pushing you away, they don't want to celebrate with you. I just look at that as hate, man, and I just look at a, a deeper disconnect there. And I don't know if it's gonna correct itself if it didn't two if it didn't in two years. And there was obviously, you know, bad blood because some this you know, according to the Sun Times there were three players that came out and didn't vouch for Jim Boylan to return. So, you know, for management to come out and say, you know, they're vouching for Jim Boylan when the players don't like the guy, he hasn't succeeded as a coach. And you're basically saying you think he should return. I just think that's a bad decision. And I just look at it as why did you even bring in, you know, Arturis, you know, and, you know, promote, try to promote change if you're going to bring back the same people. And head coaching is, is, is a big, great deal, man. It's a great deal for me. You have to have a, a coach that has that connect. You have to have that, that, that coach that the players respect and that a coach that has won over the locker room. You know, and I just think that Jim Boylan has, has reached that plateau. He's, I don't think he has a shot at, at gaining these players' trust. And I just don't want to come in next season with the same results. When we come back... We're going to discuss the NBA possibly returning. And we're also going to talk about a little bit later the death of Jerry Sloan, a Bulls great passing on right after this. How do you feel about the Bulls? How would you like to be on our show, Talking Bulls, and give your thoughts on the team? Send us your emails at talkingbulls82 at gmail.com. Send us your requests. We'd be glad to hear from you. What's up out there, Bulls fans? We're a new show and we're always looking to grow. How would you like to be a part of our show? Send us your comments through Twitter, at TalkingBulls82, or you can post your comments to this show, to the messenger of this show, and you can follow us at Spotify. We'd be glad to hear your thoughts. I got off to a good start. You were obviously pulled pretty early there. Did Jim tell you why? I don't know. I just, uh, I guess I was uh, the blame for it, you know. So, you know, I got pulled early before by him. I guess that's just his thing to do. Got to take it with stride. I'm not the coach. You know, what do you say I get pulled for? He said you made three uh, egregious defensive mistakes. Zach Levine, you know, got 13 points scored on him, I guess, or, you know, it was a starting five, I don't remember. So I thought I did, you know, I thought I was trying to do my job out there. So, you know, I got to take it with stride. And uh, like I said, I can't do anything about that. I just got to control what I can control. I can't control my minutes. Right. Do you you feel in a situation like that, though, that you may be getting singled out? I mean, if if you don't just pull me, yeah, yeah, for sure. But you know, that's not my decision. Right. So you know what the three egregious, as he called them, mistakes were? Uh, I mean, I remember looking at them. I don't remember seeing three egregious mistakes. Um, I think I was supposed to show on one, um, and 
I didn't. I told him to, you know, because Jimmy doesn't, uh, Jimmy usually doesn't set screens. He slips out of them. So I didn't want to show and have him, you know, cut right to the basket. Um, but they told me to show, so I didn't show. Um, the other two, I don't know. As frustrating as it is, I, I'm proud of the group for not laying down and dying uh, the way they punched us. I thought we did fight back. Guys came in and competed, and we played better basketball, I thought, the last 24 minutes. Really, about the last you know 30 minutes, I thought we played better basketball. So um, they played well. We didn't play well, and uh, that's what happens. You get your butt kicked. So. Jim, you mentioned the force and physicality with the stuff that they're starting to play, but you also pulled Zach pretty quickly as a tip off. What, what, what did you see there? Yeah, I, th I thought he needed a break. I thought he needed to come in and think about it. Um, uh, I felt there were some defensive mistakes that didn't need to be made, and uh, I thought he needed to come over and think about it for a minute. And this is just what I don't like about this coach, man. Uh, the way he handles things, um, it just, it just, why couldn't you just tell the guy what did he needed to do? Why did you have to pull him out of the game and say, oh, well, I just thought he needed a break. I thought he needed to think about it. No, he don't need to think about it, dude. He needs you to tell him what he needs to do in the game, and then you can put him back out there. You can't coach on the fly. You have to pull somebody out and, and show them up in front of the whole team. You have to pull somebody out and make them feel embarrassed about themselves. You can't coach them while he's making the mistakes in the game. You can't coach them along. We ended up losing the game 116-108, to 108, folks, to the Miami Heat. And at that point, the Chicago Bulls record was at 5-11 and 11, compared to the Miami Heat's at 11-3. and 3. Miami Heat was one of the surprise teams this year in the Eastern Conference. I certainly didn't pick them to do well. But that's a conversation for another day. And then there was an article I read earlier today about Laurie Markkinen going on some podcasts and basically ripping Jim Boylan and saying, you know, he went to Jim and, and asked Jim what can he do to be more productive in the offense. Laurie pretty much concerned about his touches going from 80 touches to 40 touches this year, basically saying that Jim Boylan hasn't really been using him well. And Jim said all he has to do is like he has to rebound and, and block shots better. So he basically is trying to change. And let me don't get me wrong, I'm not saying that what he what Jim told him is the wrong thing to do. But you gotta incorporate this guy into your offense. This is your best shooting power forward, and you just got him out there as a defensive stopper. And that's not his strength. And that's what I think is the problem with Jim Boylan. He's not using these players to his strength, to their strengths. You know, there were a couple plays, you know, where he had uh, Wendell Carter Jr. on the wing blitzing over screens instead of having Wendell Carter Jr. down low, rebounding and blocking shots, which is Wendell Carter Jr.'s strength. So basically, you reverse roles. You're using Laurie how you would use Wendell, and you're using Wendell how you should be using Laurie. This coach doesn't have a clue, man. And then Kobe White can't get off the bench to save his life, and that's our number one scorer when things really get hot, when really things really get bad in the game and we need seven quick points or ten quick points. This kid reminds me of Ben Gordon. You got him on the bench. He's no good to us on the bench. This coach just has to have a sense of self. He has to have a sense of what his players are good at, and he has to put them in roles that they're successful, and he's not doing that. And now their reports 
brace yourself, folks, because for weeks now, even our, I said earlier, there were reports that the Chicago Bulls were thinking to fire Jim Boyle. But an article came out on ontapsports.net, an interview conducted, and it was a, a report from ESPN's Ramona Sherburn. She did an interview with Chicago Bulls owner Jerry Ronsdorf shortly after the filming of The Last Dance. And Jerry stated he wants Arturis Karnasovas and the new Bulls front office to give Jim Boylan another chance. He said he was pretty much adamant that he wants the, the front office to give Jim Boylan a chance to take him seriously. Well, I think we took him seriously for two years, Mr. Ronsdorf. You don't think we took him seriously? So you're telling me you hired this man and for two years you didn't take him seriously. And be that as it may, even if that wasn't your approach and that wasn't what you did, I think Bulls fans and everybody took this guy pretty damn seriously for two, two, for two years. Well, one and a half year because he took off for Fred Hoiberg. But you know what I'm trying to say. The guy didn't produce. So now you want to bring in Arturis and say, oh, give him another chance. And you know what, folks? I'm willing to give Jerry Ronsdorf what he wants. I'm willing to do that. Because at the end of the day, what's going to happen is Arturis is going to get this dude another chance. And if he doesn't produce, Arturis is going to pull the trigger. And I think he should pull the trigger at All-Star break or even before that. Because we got to go in another direction, folks. And I'm surprised this man that's investing his money in his team wouldn't want the best. This is about friendship in Chicago. It's about friendship. These guys don't care about concerned about winning. They're out there picking favors of guys they really like. But guys that you really like don't put asses in the seats. Wins do. I'm sick and tired of this shit, man. We have to start holding guys accountable for an organization that is about winning. This shit is getting old, man. And it pisses me off to see an article like this. Because it's telling me that Jerry Ronsdorf hired help. But he don't want to let his help decide things. He don't want to let his help do their job. You're the owner. You're the investor. You're not the general manager. And you're not the GM. It's a reason why you hired these guys. You hired these guys because you trusted them to do a job. So trust them to do that job. Now, after if if that was Karnasova's decision to bring to bring um, Jim Boylan back, then that's different. But you're basically overriding what the results would have been, and you're telling your president of basketball operations what he should do. And listen, you're the boss. But I'm gonna tell you something: if the Bulls fall in their faces, you know who's gonna take the blame for that. It's gonna be you, Mr. Ronsdorf. And I don't even think this guy's kids because I think he's just one of those rich guys that just owns a team and just feel he wants to make decisions because he owns a team. But you're not making the right decisions, brother. And, man, this, this, this coach is just... The only way this will work is like Connor Sobis is going to have to, from day one, tell this coach what he expects from him. And... 
I'm guessing that Jim Boylan is going to have to go out there and complete that. Now, fans, we lost a, a, a big-time Chicago Bulls legend, Jerry Sloan. Born on March 28, 1942, from McLeansboro, Illinois, May 22, 2020. He died at the age of 78 in Salt Lake City, Utah. Now, Jerry Sloan, man, my impression of him, this guy, he was one of those fiery coaches on the sideline. And he was the perfect personality for that for that Utah Jazz team of Carl Malone and John Stockton and Jeff Hornacek. And um, them guys run and milked that pick and roll for many, many years. And they really made Michael work for those two last titles. And I remember the 97 finals when they were in, his team was in the finals. And I was like, oh, my gosh, man. I, the Bulls can't seem to get a hold of this team and get a hold of this game. And it was just back and forth. And... At that time, like I said, I was used to seeing the Bulls just go on the floor and just blow teams out, but the Jazz had other ideas at that time. So, Mr. Sloan's career highlights and awards. He's a two-time NBA All-Star in 1967-1969, four-time NBA All-Defensive First Team in 1969, 1972, 1974, 1975. He's a two-time NBA All-Defensive Second Team in 1970 to 1971. His number four jersey is retired by the Chicago Bulls. Number 1223, retired by Utah. His number 52 jersey, retired by Evansville, Purple Aches. Purple Aces, I'm sorry. His career playing statistics, 10,571 points at 4.0 points per game. His rebounds, 5,615 at 7.4 rebounds per game. His assists is 1.925 at 2.5 assists per game. And this guy was a legend, man. He really was a Chicago Bulls legend. And it's, it's, it's hard to believe he's gone, and it's even crazier to believe that, you know, he, he played for the team that he actually rivaled against in the NBA Finals. But you will be missed, Mr. Sloan. Rest in peace. We'll be back on Talking Bulls. Hey, Bulls Nation. Talking Bulls is the new wave, the podcast that speaks the truth to loyal Bulls fans. We'd be honored to hear your thoughts on the Bulls. Shoot us your comments to this podcast on Twitter at TalkingBulls82. Follow us at Spotify and Talking Bulls Facebook group. Step into the Red Target, known as the Bullseye Facebook group, consisting of 2,200 loyal fans, loyal, passionate fans that really care about the Bulls. Watch us post the most up-to-date information on the team, team news, trades, injuries, and all related Bulls content. Join us on the Bullseye Facebook group. Back on Talking Bulls, episode 15. I just want to say I think it's absolutely amazing, amazing that the front office that we used to have didn't have any sort of criteria on who could be the coach. I just think it's amazing. 
I mean, you can be a coach at Iowa State and be friends with our general manager, and boom, there you go. You got a job. That's how business was conducted in Chicago. That's how we hired guys and brought guys in here. And I just think it's a disgrace, man. We should have better standards for a team like us that have a, a rich history, that have won six NBA championships, a team that has stood for nothing but hard work. And that's what got us where we are today. That's what got us as this pushover team and a joke of the league. Because we're willing to hire guys as friends. Hoiberg was hired because he was golf former's friend. And when he was fired, we didn't take time to find a new coach. We just brought in Jim Boylan as an interim coach. I mean, you gotta you gotta have some kind of standards, man. The Chicago Bulls are the most popular franchise in of the nineties. The team with Michael Jordan that basically put the, the NBA on the map and put them in 215 countries broadcasted nationwide instead of 80 countries, which were what they were previously. And we just don't have any standards. Anybody can get hired here as coach. But be that as it may, the rumors are say stating that Jim Boylan's going to be fired. And while I wouldn't pray for anybody's job, I'm welcoming that new change for Chicago. I'm welcoming back that hard work, that gritty nose basketball, grinding teams down, making teams work every time we're on their damn schedule. I'm I'm waiting to see that Chicago Bulls team get back and give the city of Chicago a team that it could be proud of once again. Give the city of Chicago a team that they can resemble. But another news, the NBA is, is, I don't know if you guys heard, the NBA is thinking about bringing back the season. And it's supposed they're supposed to be, you know, picking up where they left off, where they're going to have, uh, what, the final 20-so games of the season played. And uh, there's going to be a format of 12 teams from each conference battling it out to figure out the final uh, seeds for the the final two eighth seeds in each conference, and I believe it's going to be the final eight teams of each uh, of each of, of each conference. The final eight, so that means after uh, the seventh seed, eight through twelve, will battle it out to see who who gets the eighth seed. The Chicago Bulls were twenty two and forty three this year. They were eight games out of the winning column of the AC and they were eight games out of the winning column of the uh of of the in the losing column eight games in the losing column I'm sorry of the AC behind the Orlando Magic who were slotted at eighth and you know it's a good chance that you know if the Bulls would have played those 20 games that they you know if they went on a hot streak they could have had that final seed but what about the New York Knicks at 21 and 44. I don't think the New York Knicks would have gotten in. So there's going to be some teams that are going to be lucky that the NBA is going to go with this format. Again, I'm not too familiar with the format. I heard, I read about it briefly and heard about it briefly that they're going to 
play the final eight teams of each conference, and they're going to be supposedly, supposedly battling for the AC, and then the NBA is going to go into its original slotted, you know, original playoff format of 16 teams per conference. But there were other, you know, uh, news that I read that the NBA is thinking about doing, um, you know, instead of the, the, the typical, you know, East versus West in the NBA Finals, the NBA is going to mix and match, you know, East versus West um, during the conference finals and during the, the first rounds, they're going to see an East team versus a West team, and then you're going to possibly have two East teams in the finals or two West teams. I typically, I don't know what, why would they do that? Why would they shake things up like that? Why would they change a lot? Why would they change things? But I think it should it should stay the way it is. But as far as the NBA season coming back, uh, there's a lot of things that will have to take place, according to Forbes, uh, that I read up on this story. There's supposed to be a number of uh, coronavirus tests that that will have to take place, and there will be a lot of tests throughout the, each season uh, of every player until this pandemic is, is rid of. And... You know, never to rear his ugly head again. They're going to test players every now and then. It's going to be a lot of tests, which uh, NBA Commissioner David Stern said he's going to cooperate with the CDC and go along with each test and the test of each player. And this this, this is their way of um, keeping, you know, the league safe. And I also heard that they're supposed to be trying to test fans. I don't know how that's going to work. But they NBA proposed that they're going to need 15,000 kits to go along with the NBA season and, you know, to go along with the NBA season and have this, you know, uh, restart, reboot of the NBA. I, I I don't know, man. I just think at this point the NBA needs to think about lives here. You know, you can't be putting games and, you know, entertainment front and center of this pandemic, which is a serious issue. I think they need to take care of that first before we get back to playing NBA games. Even though I miss the NBA, uh, I don't think it's it's wise to go on forth with this season. And I don't know if players is gonna be want to get keep getting tested like that. Like uh, that's gonna be annoying. But the NBA, you know, trying to figure out a way to bring basketball back. Um, but I could I couldn't imagine an NBA game without fans though. I don't know how most of you guys feel about that, but I, I can't imagine an NBA game without fans. And I don't think it's it's not going to feel like an NBA game without the fans. That's for sure. We'll be back. You're listening to Talking Post. How would you like to be the new co-host of Talking Post with Kenyatta Wright? That's right. We're looking for a new co-host. If you'd be interested, email me your experience, your name, and why do you think you'd be a good fit for the job. Email us at talkingbows82 at gmail.com. How do you feel about the Bulls? How would you like to be on our show, Talking Bulls, and give your thoughts on the team? Send us your emails at talkingbulls82 at gmail.com. Send us your requests. We'd be glad to hear from you. (laughs) 
time for the final word. Mark Eversley and Arturus Karnasovis, two men that represent change in Chicago. Will we finally get that change? I don't know, Bulls fans. Anytime Jerry Ronsoff comes out and tries to protect Jim Boylan and requests that he be given another chance, we'll be having a staff member here that represents the failure that guard packs left. Or will Jim Boylan jump on board with Connor Silvers? Will he take that torch and run as far as he can with it and succeed with it? That's what will have to happen. Jim Boylan will have to get a sense of what Arturo's system is about, and he will have to execute that to his ultimate effectiveness. He will have to leave behind all of his ego and thinking that he knows everything and that he knows best. He will have to gain the trust of his players. He will have to gain the respect of his players. That was the only way and the only way that Jim Boylan will succeed under the new regime. That's the end of my show. Thank you for joining me for episode 15. It's been a pleasure putting this pod together. Um, uh, One thing I learned today, man, change can only occur if the owner wants it. That's what what my motto is for today. Uh, Anyway, thanks for joining me. Uh, Continue to show support for the pod. You know you can follow me on Twitter at TalkingBulls82. You can send me also your emails at TalkingBulls82 at gmail.com. Follow me on Spotify. Follow me on Anchor. You can stream us on Anchor. And uh, just continue to support the pod. Thanks a lot, Bulls fans, for your support. Have a good night. Bobos.